Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. That OG real dream. Episode 2, Legend of the Woods. We got a shout out for the typical fans who don't like the trash on the bases. We got a 182-inch typical coming out of what? Illinois. That's right. That's a big buck state of Illinois. You heard that right? Ooh, Illinois. Ohio just shot a 215. We're coming with a 185 typical, 182. (laughs) I'm added inches because that's what we do here, White Tail Legacy Podcast. (laughs) All right. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is a solid one. We go over some good tactics. I like this guy's style. We We had a lot of fun in this episode. Um this is a buck showed up on trail cam and got it done on just a gut feeling. Man. And you can just, make yep. Just showed up and then boom. Yep. Make that happen. And this is a ghost. You know, he said what I, it was found it was two miles away. I think that's how Mr. Freeze happened. Just showed yeah, up. Just showed up. <laughs> never seen him before, never happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was high right. fence. Right, anyway, yeah, so yeah. Here back, we go. To, back to one eighty two typical. Yeah. He was two miles away, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I said. Trail camp picked of him two miles away. And yeah, he showed two up miles on his in farm. a creek. I got yeah. it on the notes. Showed up on his farm in mid-October, and he's able to get it done October 26th morning. Um, if you guys want to hear the story of a, how you shoot a 182-inch typical, listen on from here. We're getting to the partners to make the show possible. Start off with the VIP veteran broadhead. Um, this is getting into the time where everybody's starting to buy broadheads, so... We get a lot of messages about why we shoot the veteran, and we go on. We're going to break down the veteran piece by piece for you guys on every show and yeah, really showcase saying, why we shoot this head. It's going to take multiple episodes. Yeah. So, homie. Which sucks because it's going to take like a month to cover. Yeah. But. But hit him with a, a why we shoot the veteran broadhead. One, Just one of the little pieces of why we shoot it. So, one of the reasons is the VIP titanium tip and then a lot of users or skeptics 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 yeah skeptics are asking for a vip uh practice tip and uh matt and cindy have delivered on that so every new package is getting a practice tip with it but that tip is now the same tip that you get when you uh, you know, put the broadhead on, has um, 
the same aerodynamics. Aerodynamics. Of what that is. And you get the 100 grain or the 175 grain. For sure. If you want to shoot tanks, you get the 175 grain. If you want to shoot like 223s, you get the 100 grain. <laughs> so um, that's just one reason we shoot the veteran. There's multiple reasons. We'll go over that in future episodes. Yeah. Um, you got the VIP veteran broadhead shout out over there. Yep, the VIP veteran broadhead shout out this week is Landon Doyle. He was the sergeant for eight years, and um, he's in the Marines. He was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah. This was a Facebook shout out. Um, if you guys want to leave a VIP shout out on our Facebook page, go ahead and message us in. We love shouting out veterans. Landon, we can't thank you enough, and uh, appreciate the messages between us. And uh, thank you for your service, man, um, from us here at White to Legacy and the VIP family and Matt and Cindy. Um, let's get into ECW calls, all your custom call needs. I broke my slate call this year. Um, <laughs> what are you doing in life? Uh, you know, you're carrying a lot of stuff, trying to self-film. You got decoys. You got your shotgun. You fall crossing a creek on a hot gobbler. Um, luckily, ECW calls can take care of that in a snap. Take it there. Boom. Got a new custom slate made. Um, very reasonably priced, I might add. And uh, then you're back in the back in the game for next season. For sure. I heard a gun in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sitlock. I want to cover their women's apparel. Um, my wife wore Sitlock this season during turkey season. Um, she actually wore the men's apparel for Ooh. for the the turkey season, but... Um, she was very impressed by how warm it was and its flexibility in the shoulders and the arms. Um, my wife's pregnant right now, mm-hmm. so I got a little bigger size for her, and it fit very nice. Um, so, Late rut. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah. <laughs> New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Don't shoot a 190. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You need to be hunting New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be hunting New Year's Eve. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, my wife went out turkey hunting, uh. She is, uh, let's see, I'm going to mess this up. Five. Five months pregnant, four and a half, five months pregnant. So, uh, wasn't successful. Um, had some fun times out there in the woods with her anyways. Had made her get out of bed early a couple times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she wore the Scentlock gear. She was super impressed with it. Um, that was the first time she's ever been in Scentlock, so that was cool. I would but, say hopefully that will encourage her to, you know, Look at the deer line for the yeah. women. Yeah, I, we already talked about getting getting her a suit this year. She's gonna be hunting more since I'm gonna get the the Cadillac blind built and for sure. And uh, we just <laughs> we just got a addition table for that today. <laughs> the card table isn't <laughs> is in <laughs> right, dude. Late season. I mean, baby, yeah. baby, be three months old. I mean, mm-hmm. be able to chill out for four hours. Yeah, take Come the muzzle loader her out. Hunt. Yeah, exactly. Shoot, shoot a buck over the beans. She only shoot a big yep. buck, so. About to say, I was like, she, to she is a big buck for, Yeah, yeah, that's it. But uh, yeah, she's interested in the Scentlock line. Probably gonna get her a full suit uh, late season, so she's nice and warm. And uh, let's get into Ingram's outdoor obsession. All your taxidermy knees. Uh, we got bucks up there. We got turkeys. Up turkeys there. up there. We got coyotes up there. We got coyotes up we there. Got up we there. got minks up there. We got minks up there. Um, we got a fish that's about to go up there from one of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, we got. Um, anything your taxidermy needs, Ingrid's Outdoor Session, Facebook, Instagram, check them out. Um, let's get into this show. Uh, you don't get much bigger tipple than this, 182 inch from Illinois. Um, this guy's got a good attitude, um, pretty hilarious episode. Hope you guys (laughs) enjoy it. All right, guys, episode two of the Legacy Series. We got Clint on from Quincy, Illinois. He's an Illinois boy. That's the big buck state. If anybody was wondering, Ohio, you are not the big buck state. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Shots fired. Yeah. Uh, Clint shot a absolute monster typical last year. Uh, 182 and some change, right? Correct. Man. This typical, giant. clean, no junk, just purdy. It was a typical 10, right? Correct. Yep. Oh, man, just tine length out of this world, main beam length, beautiful. So uh, we're gonna kind of break down the story of this buck, and uh, you talking about him or the deer? Well, both. I, I mean, say, <laughs> I mean, he don't like deer. <laughs> so uh, just uh, kind of, you know, tell us where you live and uh, what you do for a living, and how long you've been hunting. Okay. I'm Clint Bell from Quincy, Illinois. I work for uh, the county down here as a paramedic. Got into deer hunting probably 10 or 12 years old. 
definitely not a trophy hunter. Like started off as just getting into the woods and having fun. My dad showed me pretty much what to not do to deer hunt. Like that was kind of my, my lesson. I learned how to kind of redneck deer hunt, sitting on a stump, just hanging out, eating beef jerky. Oh, sounds so, perfect. <laughs> definitely got a little bit more intense the older I got and, you know, had a different place to hunt, saw more deer and realized if you did a little thing, did certain things different, you actually got a better chance to see deer and get lucky enough to shoot one. Got my first deer with a bow when I was like 19. And it was just off to the races at that point. Fell in love with it. Ended up doing a little guiding for an outfitter. Met a bunch of cool people and just went that direction and fell head over heels into outfitting and deer hunting and all that. Kind of allowed me the opportunity to, you know, get on some better farms and be lucky enough to ultimately end up with this deer this year. Nice. Those connections are key, man. Yeah, it's you're around here and you're, you know, not family that has land. It's really, really hard to try to get a place to deer hunt. It's tough. Same up here, man. A lot of, lot of, uh, not so much outfitters, but just a lot of people willing to pay to hunt, yeah. you know, in the big, like you can get on the small pieces, like the 20 acres and stuff, but the big ones, no, they're already spoken for, for five years, you know? <laughs> Yep, and I mean, again, I'm not made of money, so when they start throwing around the cash, it's nice just to have a friend. And the guy that actually leased this farm, he's from Louisiana, and we've been friends for probably 10 or 12 years. And through the connections of, you know, him calling me up and saying, hey, I got this farm, you know, I really want you to come hunt with me, and I'm, you know, a thousand miles away. I can't do a lot of the the key things to get it set up. So, that kind of makes me a bad person, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, that, I would do the same thing. I'll tell you that. Yeah. We and homies talked about that a lot. We've got people that like have talked about, you know, you guys should get a lease and have some out-of-staters pay for it. And I've actually had the opportunity of some North Carolina guys. My problem is, is I'd want to shoot the deer on it so damn bad before they got there that, it, you know, so before they even showed up to hunt, be like, no, there's, there's nothing on this. <laughs> 120s, 130s, that's it. <laughs> We had a pretty good agreement that, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, It didn't actually turn out that way. Kind of a bad deal. All said and done, that guy hasn't talked to me in like four months. So Wow. Man, big deer do that. You know what I mean? Kind of sickening. Um, The one deer that was on the farm from July all the way until, you know, I was no longer hunting it. I had him at like 65 yards during gun season and big old 140 inch, 10 inch brow tines, you know, five and a half year old deer you dream about. And I had him and I was like, nope, nope, can't shoot that one. That's the other deer that I was saving for the guy. But Nice. Man. I should have just went ahead and shot it. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friendships can be made and lost over deer hunting. That's 100% true. Yep. So. Yep. I mean. I don't know. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. But yeah, we definitely got lucky. We found the farm and the landowner himself was not the actual farmer. So we were able to kind of work with both of them. Cool part was the farm was in beans and getting a new farm when it's in beans gives you a way better chance to figure out what's on it. I believe that too. Yeah, you know, did, you yeah. can really get that summer intel when there's beans on there. And then it's easier to, a little easier to access where you know you're not bumping deer because they're not in the corn and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the landowner himself, he drives around on a side by side all the time. And I, I mean, we always say pressure, pressure, pressure. And I'm a believer in it. But this dude rolls around and I've got trail camera pictures of big deer five, 10 minutes after he drove through. They didn't have any problems with it. Yeah, I think that people that deer get used to a lot of that, and then we uh, we've got to where we've checked. We're starting to check trail cameras with cars, and literally pull right up to the cams, and then pop out. And if we can get them from the truck, we won't even get out. And then I've had deer five minutes on cam after I've left, you know. And we're Illinois, you know. A lot of people hear that, and they're like, "Well, they're coming to the bait or something." Nope, there's no bait. This is just deer traveling through that area naturally. Five minutes after I was there, right? and we forgot to mention this, but hey. Sh- Shout out to you for being a paramedic, man. That's that's a good career. We got some friends yeah. that are paramedics down south, and uh, I respect that a lot. I got a brother-in-law that's paramedic. so. Uh, huh. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I love it. I wouldn't do anything else. It's been year seven or eight now, and I don't know. It, it, it affords me a lot of opportunities in the fall to get out and hunt. You know, that's I work good. A lot, you know, it kind of helps with being able to 
set your schedule up with weather friends. It's kind of nice. Yeah, that's nice. I know, I know, uh, you know, that I was a volunteer fire department and the cops get a lot of praise, but the paramedics are going into hardcore environments all the time. You know, they're, they're pulling out people that just got shot from some event, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I just think you guys should get some, some praise, but we'll, let's get back to the deer hunting here. Um, so you got this new farm, it was in beans. Um, it was, I mean, is it, it was down by Quincy. Is that where it was? Yeah, it was actually right outside of a small town called Payson. Payson. Uh, I guess since I don't hunt there, I mean, I could almost give you the address. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that, but, but, uh, I don't, I, I've drove through there quite a bit traveling, uh, but never. No cell service. Yeah. No cell service down there. You guys. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if you don't have us cellular, you're pretty much pointless around here. Yeah. But, uh, so it was beans. And, uh, so when, when you got this property or access to it, what was your kind of your first go-to, um, strategy uh, of attacking it? Um, my definite strategy was find out what it was all on there over the past couple of years. Luckily the guy that gave us the lease, he was a big time gun hunter, which is very common in that area. Most everybody goes out, you know, the orange army trampling through drive and draw shooting everything that runs by. But with the way the farm was laid out, we knew that there was enough potential for the deer to shack up after, you know, those guys went through. Pretty much got up with him. Uh, he took me a ride around on a side-by-side, pointed out some old deer stands. You know, never take those for granted. A lot of times finding the old wooden stand that he's like, oh, I've been hunting that for 30 years. And <laughs> like, there's a reason, you know, like they may only be in there that third weekend in November, but that stand could be awesome in late October. Um, we well, let him show us around. He took us in, says, you know, these are your access points. Um, this is the landowner. They ended up doing a bunch of bulldozer work, cleared a bunch of trees out. There was a really bad windstorm a few years prior, and they kind of slacked on getting it cleaned up. But this was the year they went in. And when they did it, it caused a lot of areas to get pushed back that took out crops. So he said, you know, just to keep from, you know, land having erosion issues and whatnot, we're going to put some food plots in. Like, we can't argue with that. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, well, you know, my goal will be to try to lure the deer in late season. So let's go with, you know, turnips and all that fun stuff. So that guy pretty much came in, dissed the ground, seeded it and turned it into like a food plot utopia. Like if it wasn't for the standing beans, the green plots, everything laid out so perfect that i mean it was like giddy like when i walked on there i was like this is going to be one of those farms that (laughs) you know you can hunt every single day on it for a week straight and never hurt anything because there's so many different pinch points access you know the every different wind is accounted for and the way that it was structured the guy lived in the middle of it so it almost broke the farm in two separate farms to where you kind of had deer on the east side that you never saw on the west side and vice versa. That's awesome, man. That would be really something exciting. to have have that much property where you'd be like, well, I could go hunt this deer over here on this <laughs> east end. Or I could go. That'd be epic, man. And crazy enough, it's about 180 acres is all it was. Like, Yeah, so it's dude, not a giant piece by any means for Illinois. You know, most... You know, we just north of us, they lease six hundred. At one group, leases six into the just to the west or east west. Yeah, west. It's like sixteen hundred that they lease. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a fairly small farm for what it is, but it's the layout. Definitely, if the farm lays out right, you can kill a big deer on twenty acres. But it helps to have more. You know, like if if you want to be an active hunter and you know not you know, sit in your truck every single day and worry about scouting and not pushing everything. It's kind of nice to be able to get out and hunt. And that was how this farm all went together. We set the cameras up, kind of set up on all the pinch points. That's kind of my strategy out there with the way it was laid out. There wasn't really but one big block of timber. Everything else was just like funnels and pinch points between food sources. There's a couple natural springs that run right through the middle of it. So hottest part of the year, we had moving water which was awesome. Yeah, so that's key. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying with the pulling up and checking the cameras, all the ones that we had, you could pull right up to on either an ATV or a vehicle. And it, it kind of helped us not bump everything. We used the Browning trail cameras and I, I don't want to sound like I'm pushing that product, but 
that's kind of what we set up so quick and easy to get on the tree and go but even then some of those big deer when they start recording they know they're being recorded like it's almost like they they don't know the one the you know video i have of him he stared right at that camera for probably like two separate videos just staring it's like how do they even know that that's there but yeah it makes you wonder what they how good they really see i mean Mm -hmm. you know nobody nobody absolutely knows what they see but i mean they can see you pretty got good. Some trail cam cameras or bucks are like, <laughs> yeah. I'm out, you know, on video. So, but yeah, you homie runs Browning some. I do. Yeah, I've, I've got two Brownings. Um, I couldn't tell you the model. Um, they're a couple years old, but um, I bought one one year just to try out, you know, a different brand, and mm-hmm. I loved it. So I bought another one the next year. And the only problem that I see with them is when it gets really cold, and I'm talking like negative ten. Uh-huh. Other than that, the great camera. Now, is it just your battery life when it gets really cold? That that could be it, too. Um, this year, I did run the lithiums, and I had some problems when it got real hot in September because mm-hmm. we hung that one way down there at the creek. And I had some problems mm-hmm. early on, but then mm-hmm. as the season, as it went on, it kind of settled settled in, and then it was solid. So, mm-hmm. oh. um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, more all the trail cams are running on the same platform. I mean, everybody's got roughly the same megapixels, the same trigger speed. It's kind of user-friendly to whatever you like. I mean, if, it, if it's something you can set up quick, it's something you're comfortable with, not one of the cameras that you think it's in picture mode and it's really in video mode and you don't check it for a month and then you, you know, completely trashed your eight gigabyte card in two days. Yeah. Like, that that's stuff. That's key, knowing knowing your camera to be able to figure out, you know. I would say that was one thing that I had done with the Browning is I'd put it in video mode, never done that before to start the year. Mm-hmm. And then um, that didn't go so hot, so I went to picture mode, which had been rock solid for me. And then mm-hmm. I did have a little less battery life at the end of that. So mm-hmm. um, like you had said there, Clint, yeah, probably the battery life. But even on the other one that I had on picture mode all year, I mean, it, it just, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. So, not saying it's a bad camera because I love it. I mean, um, so. I mean, I'm not going to be that guy that's going to tell you what bow and broadhead and arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like a NASCAR racer. I'm not going to play that. But, yeah, we went ahead and got all the cameras set up. And my wife's really got into hunting, which makes me happy because she moved down from Chicago and initially, like, was not a gun owner, couldn't figure out why we had them, and now she's up to, like, two deer, three deer that she killed, so. That's awesome, man, yeah. Good getting her involved, and we went out and checked the card and put it on there, and, of course, you know, the first thing we pull up, it's this big deer, and it's in video mode, but it's got a circle with an exclamation mark on it. Oh, man. (laughs) natural male reaction i don't blame anybody but her i'm like how did you screw this up like (laughs) you do something to the card because that's not even possible like i don't think you could do anything to a card to make it not play a video (laughs) but the whole time i'm freaking out and all i can see is this deer that is just absolutely massive that should have a video but doesn't have a video (laughs) phone it's in the ipad i take it to the computer at the house and all I can see is, I mean, at the time, I am I can probably guess most everybody else's deer fairly well on size. But when it comes to what I'm hunting, I always downplay it. And I was like, man, this thing might go in like the mid-60s. Like, it might hit 170, but like, it's, it's just a great deer. And out of nowhere, like four days later, we were checking them and the video played. <laughs> the moment I realized oh my god like this isn't even fair like this thing is a lot bigger than what i thought so that was when we realized we had a something to really get excited about and start trying to figure out what we were going to do to kill this deer um so this year is the first year that cody and i have run you know cameras together and separate and you know i've got my system that i've always ran he's got his system that he's always ran so I always like running the micro SD cards and then I have the old phone. I just plug it into, send them right to the phone. 
And then <laughs> garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cody's like, dude, I can't see anything on this bullshit phone. <laughs> you know, we need to get it on the computer. So then then it's like, well, we have to have multiple cards for that. You know, you just put it on the phone and we'll just look at it at the house. But he's like, I want to look at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so by mid-September, I'm dragging a laptop everywhere we got to go. <laughs> so, and then yep. Cody's Cody Cody's always one to downplay, like, how good a deer is. He's like, I mean, you have a solid one mid-140s, 150, but like, eh, pro- probably just pushing 140. I'm like... Come on, dude. I mean, it's a little better than that. You got a down plan so when you shoot them, you don't get ground shrinkage. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this is a 140, and you get up there, and it's 160. You're like, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. That's, uh, that's a better feeling than like, ooh, that, uh, that's a little bit smaller than what I thought. So, yeah, yep. I'm all about them angles, too. You get an angle where oh, it's dude. right, and that buckle will look just giant, but you get another angle, you're like, well, he's not that big. So <laughs> hard to tell. Yeah. The guys that are taking pictures of 120s, which, hey, if that's your trophy, by all means. But, you know, and you're resting your elbow on its tail and you're doing. <laughs> you got a long arm, man. The fish long arm game is yeah. next level. Yeah, that's fish. where it's at. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Them guys deserve some money. Yeah. Uh, so when did you get the trail cam picture of the first trail cam picture of them? Uh, the first trail was like October 20th. We um we got the farm. We hunted a little bit early October. It wasn't very good this year. It was kind of wet, kind of dreary, which I know some people love hunting in it, but I'm one of the unfortunate people that have to wear glasses. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but hunting in the rain with glasses, it doesn't matter your rain gear. Yeah, I could see that being the hard, oh, yeah. hard, you know, your glasses keep, it's just like having a scope in the rain, you know what I mean? But you have to have a scope on all the time to be able to see. So I could, yep. I could understand that 100%. So you need to get you one of those safari caps, bro, that knocks the rain <laughs> off all the way around. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, man. Like you put on this rain gear and then when you turn just right because it's muggy, you end up letting some heat up your collar and then your glasses fog. and then it's... <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Can't win. Yeah. Can't win. And if I'm not in a pool or the shower being wet, it's not for me. So <laughs> I kind of procrastinated about hunting early season went out a couple times saw some bucks nothing crazy nothing to you know again i was on there to try to help this guy get a stand set up I and mean, we ran like 14 cameras on 150 acres like we knew the squirrels that were on this farm like as far as we were concerned we had everything mapped out and then come october 20th this guy shows up in the dead center of the farm never heard of him no one's ever talked about him you know, we were friends with some of the neighbors. He actually passed through uh, a couple of the guys that I know's farm. No one saw him. He was a ghost. Um, showed up, so we we're you know super excited. We start making game plans. Morning of October 26th. Well, I guess we'll start October 25th. The farmer got in there and was cutting the beans. Again, if you're hunting in the Midwest and you're scared of a tractor or a combine, you haven't hunted around here long enough. I will let the combine pick the beans directly in front of me and sit and wait because yeah. you don't care. They're going to come out after that. They're not scared of the combines and the tractors. So, you know, we've got big hopes. You know, you're thinking you're on this farm with this deer. Hopefully he stayed around. Didn't see him that night. Not a whole lot of movement. The farmer was able to finish up all of his crops the next day. So, or that night. So we were good to go. No more tractors, no more trampling around start that morning at like right at midnight and I get a phone call. It's the credit card company. So I'm disoriented. It's midnight. And they're telling me that my credit card is just made a purchase at a gas station. And did I do it? And I'm thinking like, man, I've bought stuff at a gas station before. Like I put gas in the truck last week and I, I did this. And they were like, no, sir. Like, did you just make a purchase? It's like, Oh no, no. I'm in bed. Like that must have been like my credit card was hacked. So I'm laying in bed. I'm like, man, I gotta get my credit card canceled and call the bank and get all that stuff done. Then about 2:30, I finally get back to sleep. The power goes out. So my ceiling fans out. There's a thunderstorm going crazy, lightning crashing, the whole shooting match. Like, is this really like is this happening? So the guy I'm hunting with. He's in the other room. I finally wake up and get everything started. And I'm like, you ready to go hunting? He's like, it, 
the power's out. I've never known the power being out at our house was going to keep us from. <laughs> That's a bigger reason to go because the power's out. What else are we going to do? Sit around and light a candle and tell stories? <laughs> no, man, get in the truck. So, of course, he's dragging, not getting out the door fast. The farm's like 20 minutes away. We're beating feet out there. And I take him to a stand that is literally the easiest stand to find. Like Stevie Wonder could find this stand. <laughs> Without an issue. So we pull up on the gravel road. I point up and I'm like, you see the outline of the biggest tree in the forest? Just walk to that tree. It's got bright eyes. It's got orange tape. It's a ladder stand. You're going to find it. He's like, all right, man, I'll see you in a little while. So the sun. Pull up the gravel road back in, throw all my stuff on. And I'm getting across the field and it's, you know, you don't need a flashlight. You can see. So I break over the hill get into the ladder stand, everything's setting up perfect. And I get a text message from him and he says, I'm lost. <laughs> like, well, like, first off, you should already be in the stand as long as it took you to get down here. Like, how are you lost? He's like, well, I'm sitting on the edge of these rocks. And I'm like, I hurry up and call him. And I'm like, oh my God, don't move. There's a rock quarry on this farm with like a 70 foot drop off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He went like a hundred yards the opposite direction and is just trampling through the woods like a bull in a china shop with no flashlight, just going, going to town. Perfect. <laughs> I'm like, oh, stop, just sit down, let the sun come up all the way so you don't die. He's like, all right, man, I'll sit on this rock. I'll be good. All right. <laughs> so first deer comes across the field, walks right at 20 yards, and I'm, I'm a millennial hunter, whatever. I get my phone out. You got to send a Snapchat, you know, like first deer of the morning coming in. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I'd be a lot cooler if he was that giant. And <laughs> <laughs> in the tree playing with my phone, I text my wife. I'm like, yeah, really getting it this morning. Sucks you're still at the house with the power off. <laughs> Put the phone away and I look through the fork in the tree in front of me and I'm like, oh, good God. Put the binos up. And this deer's only at probably 65 yards, 70 yards at this point. And someday I hope you're lucky enough to see a 180 inch deer at 60 yards with a high powered pair of binoculars. You can't even, it's, you can just see the brows. They <laughs> were the forks on the very front. And that's how I knew it was him was because the forks were so pronounced. And I mean, instantly it's your heart's beating out of your chest. You're trying to even find your bow. Cause apparently that's the hardest thing to find in a tree. And, Freaking out, trying to get my life together. And this little buck is just scraping the tree below me, just going to town. And the big deer must have thought, you know, hey, I need to go over and address this because I'm not going to let this little guy take over this area. So he starts walking. I grab the range finder and I'm hitting all my spots that I think he can walk to. And, you know, it's like 15 yards, five yards, 35 yards. And I'm like, like I think I've got this whip. So I'm kind of just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden the wind shifts from one side to the other side and then straight towards him. And I was like, that hollow feeling hits you that you're like, I'm in trouble. Like, there's no way around it that this deer is not going to smell me now. And all of a sudden he blew and he came out from behind the tree at a trot and he stopped right at 35 yards quartering away. And the past week where I set my target up at my house was 35 yards. I shot it for a week straight and I'm like, I know right where to hold on him. <laughs> so I pulled back, set the pin, took a deep breath, right on exhale, touched it off. You know, the, the lighted knock, not going to say a brand flies across, disappears right into the side of him. I knew that I hit him a little bit back, but since he was quartered away, I felt fairly confident, but you know, I hurried up, called my friend, and of course he answers, I told you I'm good, I'm sitting on this rock. And I'm like, you don't understand, I just shot him. Well, who'd you shoot? Not a person, but like a deer, like I shot the big deer. So he's all excited, and he's like, all right, come pick me up. And he's like, let's go look for him. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I have had that, I mean, like, if you're a bow hunter for any period of time, you've lost a deer, you've got excited. You thought that, I don't know, that uh, the TV show has ruined 
people when they think they've shot a deer. I've never had more people tell me, smoked him, double lung, double lung. And the arrow's like hanging out of the back ham. So <laughs> you have nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody has the slamma jamma, whamma, kawamma jamma. And it's like, no, man, you flat shot this thing in the front foot. So. <laughs> Slamma jamma kawama slamma. I'm gonna say that next time I shoot a deer, and then AKA Dude. Clint Bell. Hey, that'll be the perfect thing to say after a fake kill. Yeah. <laughs> Just slamma bama slamma bama that. I right, go ahead. Sorry. Fist pump, a bow shake, and then like some sort of goofy saying that accompanies the end of it. Oh <laughs> no, they gotta they gotta throw the bow forward like their follow through. Yeah. <laughs> All while whispering. That's the one part I never understood. I mean, I, I get it that you don't want to scare off anybody else's deer, but when you shoot a 180, everybody else can just chill out for that morning. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I watched him kind of take off. He stopped up on top of the hill, squared up, and was kind of looking around like he didn't really know what hit him. You know, when you shoot a Hoyt, it just blows right through him. But We got a Hoyt lover in this room. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, he said when you shoot a Hoyt, it just blows right through him. So. Well, I mean, he's not lying. <laughs> you got a Hoyt. So he took off into what was the neighbor's farm. Like, I, I wasn't really hunting on the edge. I was still probably 85, 90 yards from where the neighbor's property line started. But I knew it went up, and it took off into this thicket. So everything's running through my mind. I know I got to wait. I got to get permission from the landowner. You know, we got to make sure everything's legal. This is one of those, like... You're just not going to break the law on this. So I shot back to the truck, drove down the road, picked him up. We were giddy. He's trying to tell me to go back and look. We head towards Quincy for breakfast because there's no way we're going back to help with, you know, a liver shot. He's going to get, you know, ideally four to six hours if you can. I mean, the temps weren't too warm, but, you know, ample enough. I wasn't worried about going back in. So we went to town. Got breakfast, went to the house, loaded up the four-wheeler, just took a ride, did everything we could to try to make it until noon. And we got out there, met with the landowner himself. And he's a super cool guy, like not a deer hunter in any way, shape, or form. Like lives on some of the best deer ground I've ever stepped foot on. And he just doesn't care. He's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're cool. I mean, I see them all the time. They don't do anything for me. And he's like, but I'll help you go look for yours. So... We start on the other side of this draw. We ended up getting a hold of the landowner. He said, yeah, man, like, just all I ask is that you don't drive your pickup across the field because it's muddy, but you're more welcome to bring your four-wheeler. So I'm like, all right. So we start on the other end of the draw, and we walk all the way through it, and all I want to do is get up to the fence, find the blood, and then work back into the timber. So I'm getting up there. I'm trying to find the blood. First time I see blood, I hear the guy, the landowner, back over in the woods go, found him <laughs> like what like there was no excitement in his voice and i was like what are you saying? he's like found him <laughs> i'm a full-figured fella i'm taking off across the field i'm like we got to get to this and cutting through the brush and walk up there and he's standing over top of him and he's like yeah i've seen him for about a week he's been hanging out down there in that low field he's a pretty good deer isn't he no, no, it's it's terrible. Like, nope, smallest deer I've ever seen. <laughs> this guy can't be real right now. But no, it, it was like this emotional roller coaster of, you know, you think you got it, you're not sure, you want to tell yourself you did, but you still want to prepare yourself for not finding it. And this guy was so cool. He had a really nice camera with him, and he pretty much just stepped back and started taking pictures. That's so awesome. yeah, that was nice. It, like the moment I put my hands on this deer, he captured it. And I don't know, it's it's one of those things where we took really good pictures of this deer. Like we made it a point to clean him up and, you know, stage him on the field and make sure all the angles were right. Because again, once you put a knife on this deer, he's gone. You'll never get it back. And I've always been that way. I killed a really nice deer my senior year. Three drop times, like the kind of deer you dream about. And I have like two pictures of the deer. <laughs> so I was like, I have to make sure that I always take really good photos. And I made sure on this was no different. So we 
you know, took the good photos, but there's something about looking at those photos where the deer's not all cleaned up. Um, there's still blood on the antlers. There's, you know, you're not repping all your hunting clothes. Like I was out in a pair of leather boots. Like it wasn't, you know, you trying to look like a hunter. It was this raw emotion of, holy cow, like I'm 30 years old and I'm putting my hands on quite possibly the biggest deer I'm ever going to shoot. And it was neat to look back at the photos and see, you know, what true happiness was. And I'll never forget that moment. And, you know, I'm kind of in debt to that guy for making it possible. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what it's all about. It's not about, you know, pushing products or, you know, this, this made me get it done or this brought <laughs> this deer in, you know, so for you to be able to have them raw photos is absolutely awesome. And, you know, props to that guy for just, you know, starting to take pictures of you and, you know, one thing Cody and I don't really have growing up, and we've talked about it before on a couple episodes, is photos of us as growing up and evolving as hunters. And, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons we've started doing this is so we can capture some of these moments that we wish we had as, you know, our two sons grow up or our three sons grow up and, you know, Maybe one day they'll they'll want to look back and, you know, see, well, what did I do when I was eight years old? Well, here you go, because I, I captured it. So, you know, we, we put some investment into some, some photography gear, and that's what we want to do, because that's something that we don't have to look back on. So, um, definitely glad that you do have that, and it's, especially for this deer. Yeah, props to you for slowing down and taking them pics because a lot of people are like, yeah, I got the buck. Let's get him out of the woods. Let's go. Right. But you try so hard for that moment. You know, that's the moment, right? Before you clean it, before everything, we are walking up on them. That's the moment, right? So you having them pictures, you're going to cherish those forever. You know, even though, like you said, you got a three drop time buck, which I seen on your social media, which is this <laughs> awesome, incredible deer. This one yeah. means more to you because you have all them picks. You know what I mean? Yep. So. And I mean, it, I was able to, you know, share it with somebody, you know, I don't know. It was just one of those things like where I look back now at the pictures and it's like, holy cow, like that, that really meant something to, to have those. And, you know, I would encourage that to anybody that deer hunts take the extra time to have that extra photo or I don't know. I always tell guys that I help, you know, no, we're going to take some time to to do these photos. Mm -hmm. And I just sent you a picture of the one and it's just, you really can't put words to it. So I had a lot of people like during that time were asking, you know, was this your dog and does? Was it, you know, did you use anything special? Were you using doe estrus and, to be honest with you, man, it was dumb luck. It was being in the right place at the right time. It was being on a farm that even had a big deer. Now, granted, he wasn't there all year, but, you know, you don't see Bill Dance fishing in a mud puddle. Like, <laughs> you you kind of got to be at the right farm to, to get lucky. But Yeah, and, and, you know, that's one thing that Illinois has shifted from is, like, the, the check-in station. Like, you would have to take your deer – to a check-in station, you know, during the, like the gun season and, you know, they, they went away with that. And now, you know, everyone just does everything online or, you know, just calls it in and Mm -hmm. you can't really get that hunter to hunter, um, interaction. So you can't really get them. Social media is a check-in station. Yeah. Social media is, is, has taken that place. And, um, I know when my dad shot like his mid 160s, you know, he's like, we pulled up to the back of the line and he looked over at the guy who was driving the truck. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, we're going to drop the tailgate and, you know, just do like a bypass on the opposite lane. You know, kind of, (laughs) kind of show this sucker off. And then, you know, we kind of turned back around and got it back in the back of the line after we paraded it around. And then after we put the truck in park, like all the truck doors opened and then everybody's at the back of the truck. And, you know, that's like the social media then, you know, it's just like, all right, you know, I'm going to hang out at the check station for four hours to see, I've been see the out. giants, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, when I shot my triple drop there, um, it was the check station was still going. And I was the guy that rolled up and it was second season and nobody was there. 
Oh man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it must have been cold. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm, I waited my whole life for this, like, and unfortunately, that was my very first buck. So I was kind of ruined from the start that that was my first deer, and no, not first deer, first antler deer. Mm-hmm. And I roll into the check station on Friday afternoon, and I'm, it's, you know, come on, here we go, big money. And now it's me and the lady. I was like, all right, well, this is cool. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, this is all right, dear. <laughs> And then usually, like, the lady checking in deer is like, well, yeah, it's a three-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't know how old this deer was. We actually had the tooth sent off the taxidermist that I went to. is a really good guy, and he said, you know, we could sit here and debate, and there could be three of us, and we're all three going to throw out a different age. But he said the only way to truly do it is to pull a tooth, send it off, and they'll get back. They're supposed to be done in, like, July. So, nice. I mean – I don't know. I think I can safely rule out that it wasn't a two and a half. Yeah, but... I would say it's not a three and a half at that size. He's four or five or six. Oh, yeah. Had a big body on him. I'm, you know? I would say at least five. Yeah. And when they, I mean, for a typical to get that big, just a 180s typical is an absolute giant, you know. It, but, uh, so in Illinois with no bait or, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just straight, just straight raw dog out there. <laughs> raw, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to say. Just straight raw dog and no bait, no nothing. But uh, yeah. so corn October twenty sixth. I mean, that's that's pretty early. So he was with another buck. You said, and in, in the morning you killed him. Yeah, man. Shortly after shooting light, like seven oh eight, seven oh six. I love morning. that story. You got out there late. You had all that drama in yeah. the beginning, and then you end up killing him. That's yeah. that's pretty sweet. So, it made it even better. I mean, like this guy. He's, he likes to hunt, but, like, I've never heard someone make such a dumb comment about, like, the power's out. I mean, if he... <laughs> well, props man. to you for going out there after all that. You know, you got woke up in the middle of the night, then you got woke up again for the power outage. I was saying, it's not like you got about two hours of sleep. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, you could have been like, ah, I'll just sleep in until, you know, we'll hunt the evening or something. But you went out, and, you know, if you wouldn't have been in that tree, what made you go to that tree? Was it trail cam picks, or was it just ease of access, or what it was? I really, really liked the spot. Um, we were looking to hang a stand and we had one extra one. And I went to this point and of course, when everything's in crops and you can't really cut across and you're forced to walk around everything, a 150 acre farm is pretty large when it's like 90 degrees out. Oh yeah, so it's huge. I'm two foot in this thing, trying to figure out where I want to put a stand. And I looked up at this big tree and I originally took some climbing sticks in and that was a horrible idea. Like I, I put these sticks up against the tree and it took me two straps to get around the base. And I was like, all right, we are overcoming adversity right now. Like this is a large tree, but we've got it. So I get the first stick set and I start to climb up and I can't even get enough ratchet to get the second step around. And the tree's already kind of pulling back towards me. And I was like, nope, nope, this terrible idea. Like I, I really want to fly in a helicopter someday, but not to the hospital. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to go with a ladder stand. Ladders are good. Everybody likes ladders. You can do them a lot safer. So we ended up throwing a 20-foot ladder that had the kick-up seat so you get the full platform. Nice. Which, you know, in my mind, that's just as good as a lock-on. When yeah. you can get the out of the way and you have a full platform to be able to do 360 and a you lot know, of people just, talk down on ladder stands, but like if you got a big tree like that, that's the go-to. Because the only thing about a ladder stand, I think, is the cover. You have to have a little bit more cover. But if you have that big of a tree, I'm sure it was a big oak and had the limbs that stretch out, you know, wide, or a big cottonwood, you know, and you can get in there with a ladder stand, and the deer have no idea if your shoulders are, you know, if the tree is wider than your shoulders, you know. Yeah. And this had, um, the farm is covered in that multiflora rose or whatever it's called, the bush honeysuckle people call it. Yeah. This farm's just covered in it. So I had to cut a trail to get to this tree, but it, I don't know. It's one of those setups where like when someone puts you in that tree, you want to tell them thank you repeatedly. And it was the spot that I hunted the night before. And I'm like, this just feels like a good spot. Like it's in. You know, it connects this huge block of timber to the north that he actually went up and died in. All the funnels lead to this one little section. And, you know, I was kind of thinking more of an afternoon spot, but 
with the morning, I'm like, yeah, I'm already kind of running late. Let's just jump in this over here and we shouldn't bump anything out. And sometimes going with your guts key, the buck I shot this year, me and homie had a long talk of what stand I was going to. And I went yeah. with my gut and it, it paid off. So sometimes going with your gut is key. Uh, I'm a big on confidence, you know, so I was more confident in that stand. I already had it set for a double set. It just, it was just going to play out better. And that's exactly what you said, you know, well, I got easy access here. I'm running a little late. I'm going to go with my gut, go to the stand. Boom. I drop a 180s typical, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but you knew the deer was there. You put the homework in, hanging a stand at a pinch point. Um, it just, it, you know, uh, October 25th is about when we start hunting mornings, but for you to, I mean, you right at sun. So he must've been bedding pretty close to there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if he was down in like the lower field because there's a really good low field that you know this farm has and i don't know if he was just out there feeding all night in our other green field and then was just working his way back to bed and you know stayed out too late nothing good happens when you stay out late at night and <laughs> that's true <laughs> it didn't play out for him i mean this was the 7 a.m dui checkpoint and he didn't... <laughs> oh wow got him <laughs> yeah poor fella but i mean like I said, I, I can't really give you guys too much insight into saying that I've had this deer for three years. Um, I've had trail cam pictures, and, you know, I didn't get a hold of any cool sheds when I killed him. But I did get a hold of some people in the area. I kind of started throwing out some feelers as to, like, where did this guy come from? And a guy sent me a message on Facebook and was like, did you kill this deer outside of Payson? And, of course, I still was able to hunt there at this point. So it's like, well, I don't know, maybe. And he's like, well, I got a cattle farm straight south of there. He goes, I'm pretty sure that lived on me all summer. And he you know, described the deer really well. And what happened was, I think this deer traveled over two miles in one of the creeks that leads from his place to my place. Um, I got one other guy that got a trail cam picture of him between where I killed him and where this guy thinks he was at all summer. And that's the only evidence I've been able to dig up on people saying, yeah, I've seen this deer. No, I haven't. Or, I mean, that's all I've got is one crappy trail cam photo and one cattle farmer that absolutely swears he saw that deer all summer. Man, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, October 26th. So, I mean, I don't think that they'd be traveling you know, too far just yet, but they would definitely be on the, the brim of starting to travel, you know, and I mean, for just a couple people to be able to see that deer, I mean, it, it I guess it just depends on how the property lays. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fairly thick. You have quite a bit of cover to hide in, but I mean, that's all I got to go on is where you can, you know, a select number of you know people right that, yeah, I think I got him on my trail camera. And, you know, what I was only thinking is maybe he was in a good bachelor group down there and he may not have been the big, you know, or the, not the big one, but the dominant, you know, there could have been a, mm. an older, more dominant deer that just pushed him away and Do, just got headed my way. So f I'm more interested in like previous years. Do you think he might've just been like a subliminal, you know, eight or 10 the previous year. And then all of a sudden this year, he just like blew up for some unknown reason. Yeah. I mean, you know, they'll talk about deer gaining 30 and 40 inches. So maybe he was a 160 10 last year <laughs> and just was able to throw on an extra 20, which definitely is possible. If, yeah. You know, he had the genetics and nutrition, and I, I'd say we had a pretty good growing season. You know, like our spring and summer wasn't terrible. We didn't have a, too many hot days last year. I mean, there were some reports of EHD or, you know, dead deer being found, which one guy finds one deer, and by the end of the week, it's 50 deer, EHD's taken over, the herd's going to die. And yeah, yeah. It what, runs around here. One thing we, I was thinking was – uh you know, I mean, he might have traveled pretty far, but uh, with you guys putting all that food plot work in, I'm thinking maybe that had a key. You know, maybe maybe he was coming through there after he shed velvet, and he was like, whoa, there's a lot of food here. All right, I'm going to hang out. And then he realized, well, there's a lot of does here, you know. And uh, 
and those food plots might have been key in making that deer stay on that property. Yeah. And we went out there late, late season. I was able to shed hunt it. And there was a half acre of beans that we left standing. And it was neat to go out and see every single stock with not a single bean on it. Like it was just like the weirdest thing to see a half acre of beans and not a bean there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. You know that you, you gave a lot of nutrients for to yeah. deer, you know. So. When they needed it. Yeah. Yeah, our polar vortex. This yeah, year. we had a hell yeah. of a winter this year, so. A lot of snow. It was weird to say um, we had snow over six months because it happened right at during first gun and that's yep. November 15th or whatever. And then we got snow November, April 16th. Yeah. Well, it only snowed because Cody shot Mr. Freeze. <laughs> then it started snowing. Is <laughs> that how it works? Yeah. yeah. Don't name yeah. a deer Mr. Freeze. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Bad winter. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I'm just more like... I mean, even a 160 running around to throw on 20 inches, I mean, do you, I mean, do you think it's possible he was like a 140, a mid 130 and just exploded for, for nobody to like really, I mean, cause if he was going to be a 150, he's going to be pretty, um, if there's a 150 on my property, I know he's there Exactly. and he's on my radar, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, I mean. Just, I mean, he would have the same frame because that deer is so clean and so typical. He's going to have yeah. that same frame. So, you know, do you think he was maybe like a 135 and then just like, just went straight up? I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see his actual age. Yeah, that'd uh, be cool to figure out yeah. his actual You have to text me his actual age. Because me saying. and homie like to know that kind of stuff. It's cool to yeah. put the pieces together on deer. But they don't get much bigger and typical than that yeah. i mean just timely for days main clean. beam length for days clean so uh the first time we scored him which again i'm no professional scorer we roughed it and the first number that came out i was like nope that's not true <laughs> nope 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 and uh, i got a hold of the boone and crockett score from down over in mount sterling and he said yeah man 60 days be right after christmas just go ahead and bring him over and we'll do it officially and Super nice guy taped it all out and he slid the numbers over and I was like, wow, okay. Like, you know, I, I don't like nets. I hate that net is even a thing, but that's what I guess will be in the record books will be net. But as far as I'm concerned, gross counts. He's only got 10 points. You know, he wasn't uh, 27. Yeah, 10 points. He's only got 10 points. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Nets are for fish. Just like you said, that's what I always say too. Um, we, we, it, how many inches did he have on his head? That's what I want yeah. to know. You know what I mean? But uh, how many? When so, we when we scored ours, uh, yeah, we were uh, like thirty in, thirty bush lights deep, <laughs> but we scored it like ten inches bigger. So it's three bush lights <laughs> per inch. <laughs> That's what I was gonna ask. I was like, how many did you score it to the actual deal? Say what now? What? So when you taped it out, you know, just kind of trying to get an eyeball on him. Um, what was your score compared to what Boone and Crockett said? Um, I roughed him at 187. Okay, so yeah, about the same. Yeah, so, we added so about... So you were drinking just as much as we <laughs> were. <laughs> you added about seven inches. We added about seven yeah. inches when we did ours, so... Because it was like 199 and four eights. I was like, what the... <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was only at like five or six bush lights. I was still solid enough to like, you know, make an accurate number, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the green score and then uh like you have to let it dry and i was pretty fortunate the taxidermist i was like hey i'm gonna come by and grab that deer and score it and he's like you're not coming in and out of my house like a kid (laughs) leave them until you're you're done and then come back and you know bring them to me so i was lucky enough to get a bobcat the year prior so when he called and said the bobcat was done i took the antlers back out and told my goodbye and that I'd see him in the first week of June. So <laughs> that's pretty sweet. You got a bobcat. Yeah. I could have yeah. got a bobcat that yeah. year. Yeah. You need to get a tag this year. No. I got one two years in a row. I got one the first year and we ended up uh, a buddy of mine, he likes to trap. Like again, I'm not gonna pretend that I was the ultimate hunter on this. Like I had the bobcat on trail camera all year. I said he was working this waterway. He set up a trap, got him the first night and nice. he was 29 and a half pounds. Oh, that's a pretty so, big cat. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
I think the I one was, I would have shot would maybe have been 10. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was like a house cat <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, we just got a house cat whenever I shot that bobcat. So uh, me and Oscar had to go out and have a coming to Jesus as to <laughs> how the was going to go and like. You know, and he's been a great cat. I actually call him Small Dog because he's so well behaved. I think that little interaction that we did out in the backyard was, <laughs> you know, I would recommend if anybody's getting a cat, start off with, you know, a bobcat hanging in your tree. <laughs> yeah, you see that cat? That was the last cat that came in my house. Don't mess up. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, I don't like cats. I don't like, well, we're in Oklahoma, Matt shot a tomcat right in the face that was yeah. humping this other cat because there's too many kittens. Oh, yeah. It was it was epic. No, uh, I wasn't a cat guy, and then I got that. And I don't know, the, the wife's been very fortunate with letting me have way too many animals in the house. <laughs> I would say it, it, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it, but it happens. Yeah, for sure. But there's definitely not a cat coming to my house, I know that. <laughs> I mean, dogs is okay. Cats, no. I got an outside cat. But how'd this go from deer hunting to cat talk? Yeah, this is the Whitetail Cat Podcast. It's a sportsman's group. Everybody gets together. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 beer tower is getting too tall. Shut her down. Talking about cats. I'm gonna be a little bit pissed if you guys are drinking beer and I'm stuck here at work. Like that's not. I'm oh, not no, gonna never. say we are, but never. I'm very well hydrated. This Seven Up <laughs> is killing it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So he should be done the first weekend of June. Like I, we move into our new house the end of the month, and then we're gonna have the arrival of the big deer. I'm pretty excited about that, and finally getting to see him done right with uh, the taxidermy and all that. Nice. Well, you... in Bloomington, the Deers and Beers Fest or whatever they're calling it. Oh, yeah, Bloomington, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I talked to somebody from there, and I think I'm going to haul up a couple of my deer. So nice. So kind of be a station again where everybody can actually get together and I'll, talk. I'll and probably be up there scoping around, sniffing out yeah. the talent. <laughs> <laughs> sniffing out the 180 typicals, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that would be nice. you come over and say hi. I mean, yeah, you know, for sure. You got a good floor register you're going to put him by? A good what? Floor register. I mean, you're going to have to hang him on the ground. <laughs> yeah, i got a pedestal. The wife's dad's building it for me. You got tall it, ceilings? Ooh, yeah, I'd say you're going to need vaulted ceilings. <laughs> how, yeah, I'm concerned about how big it's actually going to be. And I don't want to sound like, like I'm you know, gloating, but like I am kind of worried. Like the pedestal's three feet tall, and... The average mount is like two and a half feet, and then his G2 16 inches tall. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's gonna look like he's on the wall instead of on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be sweet, uh, though. Yeah, I won't be upset. It's definitely been a wild. <laughs> you know, I would start be, off with I'd be real upset up. it wasn't 17 inches, but that <laughs> no, it's 16 inch twos. They don't get no bigger. That's no. like the limit. You've you've yeah. reached the limit. There's only so many months they can grow. Yeah, you know? for like, sure. It's it's already getting exciting. They're getting those out now and already seeing a couple new bucks pop up and they're already, you know, starting their initial frame. So Yeah, it's always fun when you're trying to fill them out this early. You're like, ah, I don't really know if it's gonna be good, <laughs> looks good. Always got high hopes. So. You're always guessing like, Well, I think that might be that buck. Yeah, yeah. That brow looks a little curvy <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think there's only one deer that somebody sent me a picture that I could be like yeah, that's yeah. a deer from last year. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think this year, I mean it's what do you do next? I mean, take up duck hunting, you know, like I don't know what uh just keep shooting one forties, that's what I'm gonna do. Well <laughs> get some <laughs> hogs. Yeah. Clean the slate. No, I again I've always tried to shoot for age the past four or five years. It's been really exciting to to try to take a deer that's a little older. Um the rack size, always a trophy, but to me I don't know. You get that older deer and it, it takes a little bit more work, a little bit time to put in there. And I don't know, get your phone out, take a picture of the smaller deer. That's a lot more fun shooting them every day. I mean, you're only, I don't know, like after I shot this one, I didn't another day. Mm. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Never even went back in the woods to bow hunt, even for a doe. Like I was just so 
I don't know, after that, it's like I put the bow down for the year and now it's end of May and I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So right. we screwed up. But, you know. All right, man. Well, I think we're going to end it here. Thanks for coming out and telling your story of your uh, legend of the woods, the 180 inch typical from West Quincy, Illinois, shouting out Illinois here. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys have a great night and thanks for having me on. No, man. I. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was say uh, usually I let you close it out, but I thought I thought you was uh, holding back there. But um, I liked how he got the permission to this property, and then you know really thought about the access to the stands, and then you know really took the time to slow down and enjoy the moment after he got the deer down. Yeah, I really like how he, he did. He said, he, you know, he enjoyed the moment. He shouted that out in the episode, like we say all the time. Slow down, take them pics, absorb them memories, get other people involved in it. That was an awesome to- uh, topic. I also like how he went with his gut on this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. sometimes that's the best thing to do is to go with your gut, you know. And he shouts out, this isn't a buck that he had a bunch of history with, but he went with his gut on a hunt that, a lot of people would have stayed home on that day, and he went out and got it done on a legendary whitetail, um, a legend of the woods cruising around 182-inch typical with 16-inch G2s. They don't get much bigger than that. So we hope to meet this guy in Bloomington this year. Uh, I got his number now, so he can't get away from me. So <laughs> I'll meet up with him sometime. But uh, we got a lot more coming of the Legend of the Woods series, and we hope you guys are enjoying this. If you are enjoying this, leave a comment, leave a review, um, subscribe to the podcast, um, iTunes. We, we would love a review on there or a rating. Um, get out there and try to leave a legacy, um, whether it's uh, anything. I mean, <laughs> teach someone how to shoot a bow, teach someone how to age a deer, anything like that. Um, shoot some trap. Yep, shoot some trap. Shot some trap in Oklahoma. Shoot yep. it. And Whitetail Legacy's out. <laughs>